I started to feel stagnant and just kind of bored with what we were doing in our homeschool. We were reading a ton of books and, you know, I'm, I'm always reading one of Charlotte Mason's uh, volumes with, I have a book club and I'm always reading another educational philosophy book. And then I read through John Taylor Gatto again and I was like, oh, what is it? And I realized I'd really left out the life part. Education is an atmosphere, a discipline, and a life. And the Lord finally brought us to a place where it was like, okay, you've done great with the reading. You've done great with the morning basket. Like, good job. Now let's figure out what lifestyle is, is going to work for you guys. Welcome to Homeschool Conversations with Humility and Doxology, a series of interviews with real-life homeschool moms, dads, and other educators on all sorts of topics that affect our lives as homeschool parents. I'm Amy Sloan, a second-generation homeschool mom of five, and I am so delighted that you are here. Here on Homeschool Conversations, we'll discuss educational philosophy, family life, and more. Come chat with us. Hello, friends. Today, I am joined by Joy Cherick. Joy, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me, Amy. Well, Joy is a homeschooling mother of six following the Charlotte Mason philosophy. She has a passion for introducing children and adults to the beauty of nature and shares her simplified nature study plans on her website, naturestudyhacking.com. She also authors a monthly e-newsletter, Naturalist Monthly, where she shares nature journal prompts and nature lore and other ideas for parents and children to learn side by side about the world that we live in. And she and her children just launched Naturalist Kids Podcast, where they share about nature lore, poems, and natural history to encourage families in their journey to learn more about God's marvelous creation. So that sounds like a really fun family endeavor. Yeah, it's been really fun. Well, Joy, could you tell us just a little bit about your children and your family and how you came to start homeschooling? You bet. So homeschooling was not my idea and it was all my husband's doing. He, when I was pregnant with my first, he started researching education. He is a voracious reader. He's an Enneagram 8, if that means anything to anybody. And he just loves learning about finance, education, Jesus and business. So that was kind of in the education side and he just dove in and he found people like John Holt who are really um, a part of the unschooling movement and he found John Taylor Gatto who was a public school teacher in, I don't know, from the 70s to the early 2000s who really was speaking out against what was happening in the public schools during his time as a public school teacher. And he said, you know, what I really was trying to do was like not kind of undo all the damage that the school system had done to the children and really try to put it back on them to take charge of their own learning and that they shouldn't just be vessels to just sit there and 
you know, receive information and just go do as you're told. Because he did all, John Gatto did all this research on the history of education and why we're kind of where we are in America, or even really in the Western world, with our educational systems. And it really lit my husband up. He hated school. He really felt imprisoned and um, restricted by, you know, like one time he was so frustrated with a kid in class in middle school and he got up and he left the room and his teacher, you know, gives him a detention or whatever and goes and re reprimands him. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you leaving the classroom? You can't just leave. It's like, well, it was either leave or hit that kid. And since I didn't want to hit him, I was trying to get con control of myself. You know, I needed to step out. And it was those types of interactions that he had that really kind of led him to figure out, well, how can I allow my kids to have a better educational experience than what I had? And so when he came to me, when I had a nursing baby, and I was like, you know, I'm reading about breastfeeding, I'm reading about, you know, the care and feeding of babies and sleep and all this stuff. And I'm just like, what, what are we, why, why are we talking about this right now? <laughs> I got yeah, it's more, an awkward time to have that conversation. <laughs> I've got more important things to think about. He was like, so, um, would you consider just doing a little bit of reading for yourself about homeschooling? I think it's a really interesting way to go and it's a really cool way to individualize our children's education. He's like, but it would really fall on you. So <laughs> you would have to decide you wanted to do it and then be on board, like, you know, be excited about it. So he didn't come at me with like, Here, here's what we're doing. It was more just, can you just look into this? My response to that was, I'm not qualified. And I have a bachelor's degree in journalism. <laughs> so, you know, it's so silly that I would think, and then, you know, I just had this child. Like, God gave me a child, so that, you know, qualifies uh, me. So I, you know, I started to research, and I, it really opened up a whole, realized there were 500 different ways to educate a person. <laughs> and all the opposing viewpoints and that was really fascinating and I wasn't studious I wasn't I wouldn't have considered myself a reader at that time so it really opened up a world of research to me and um, it, it, it was the beginning of my own education really and so he really he gave me the John Taylor Gatto books and the John Holt books and I read some like of the classical education books that were a little bit more regimented. I would almost consider them a neoclassical if we're going to use categories. And I was like, oh, I, that sounds too restrictive. And then the other one sounds too lenient. Like, don't we need a form <laughs> like, that we're following? So when I found Charlotte Mason, my mom actually sent me for the family's sake and for the children's sake. And I read both of those books. And then I reread for the family's sake, probably. I've read it, I've probably read it nine times by now um, because it so spoke to my own heart coming from a family of divorce and really feeling a little bit of that loneliness that a lot of children feel when they're latchkey kid growing up 
But then that idea of just reclaiming your family life and giving your children nourishing place to grow up and a place to belong and, you know, again, opening the door to reading and books. Um, it really was this wonderful balance between the form that I felt I was responsible to provide um, as far as like, let's give some instruction and some direction along the way. But it also provided for, for some of the open, I don't, I don't want to say interest led, but that's where my brain goes. But like, taking each child's individual aptitude and their interests into consideration. You know, a child is a, a person, like they're born persons and we should consider their personhood based on where they live, based on um, who they are and what they love, you know, and cultivating those things and working with God, the Holy Spirit to, you know, really lead them in a path toward truth, goodness, and beauty. So, you know, when I found Charlotte, the Charlotte Mason um, ideas and her books, I was just so, it, it really works for us because it, like I said, it pulls in what my husband was like really hankering for and then also pulled able to make it my own. Um, so that's kind of a long way to get around that question. <laughs> Well, I cannot tell you how many people that I have interviewed have brought up for the children's sake. I mean, it's probably about three-fourths of the conversations. Such a book, a book that really spoke, I think, to a lot of moms and those same kinds of ideas that you were saying, this relationship focus, this idea of the people in your home, these children who are precious individuals and wanting to, to nurture a love of learning. Um, and I just, I think it's so, so fascinating how that one book keeps coming up over and over again. So oh, it's, it was so, I mean, she just did such a great job in it. So, yeah. So these are sort of all of these ideas. It sounds like you started sort of from the idea framework and you were researching the different educational right. approaches. And then you have this, this beautiful vision of like, this is what our homeschool could be. And then you actually get to do it. And, you know, we know that, you know, children don't always do exactly the way we think they're going to do. And sometimes we as moms, um, it doesn't always um, look or feel the way we were expecting. So how would you kind of say that your approach or thoughts about education have, have changed over the years as you've homeschooled? Yeah. Well, this year is really the beginning of my sixth year homeschooling. I have, my oldest is in fifth grade and we'll just count that kindergarten year. And I have really enjoyed standing on the shoulder of giants, as they say, you know, really being mentored, listening to what other moms have done and really just trying to apply and just move forward, not make a lot of decisions. Um, and that has really worked well, especially while I was pregnant a lot of times over and over. Um, and I, this year, because of COVID, because my husband lost his job at the end of last year and then got a new job, like we were just kind of on this little emotional roller coaster as a family, I started to feel stagnant and just kind of bored with what we were doing in our homeschool. We were reading a ton of books and you know, I'm, I'm always reading one of Charlotte Mason's 
volumes with I have a book club and I'm always reading another educational philosophy book and then I read through John Taylor Gatto again and I was like oh what is it and I realized I'd really left out the life part education is an atmosphere a discipline and a life and of course we've been in survival mode but mostly the whole time we've had children like we've been starting a business and then it failed and then the ups and downs of careers shifting and the Lord finally brought us to a place where it was like okay you've done great with the reading you've done great with the morning basket like good job now let's figure out what lifestyle is is gonna work for you guys this episode is brought to you by the year of memory work my free resource to help you incorporate more beautiful pieces of memory work in your homeschool day. The Year of Memory Work provides you 52 weeks of beautiful poetry, famous speeches, historic documents, and more, so you never have to wonder what to memorize or recite next. With my free printables, it's easy to include the recitation of your choice in your morning time routine. Plus, for each piece of memory work, there's also a video in which I or one of my children recite the poem or speech for you. Sometimes we even get a little goofy. With 52 items to choose from, you are sure to find something your whole family will enjoy. Head to humilityanddoxology.com and click the menu button at the top of the page to easily navigate to the year of memory work. Or head to Humility and Doxology on YouTube or Facebook where I have all the videos rounded up in a year of memory work playlist. So this year we have been kind of reworking some things. We worked in a garden into the last couple years, but this year it was like, okay, let's go even bigger. And my kids and I have started this podcast, Naturalist Kids Podcast. It's part of our homeschool for this term is I've just scheduled creating that into our homeschool plan. And then also we're going to get bunnies. <laughs> all, all in. Um, I love, I love nature. I love animals. It's been really hard, you know, cause all we've done is rent, but you know, I've just tried to figure out how can we pull in some more lifestyle things for where we are because we rent you know it's a little bit hard to have a garden but let's just do it anyway and we were supposed to move and i was so glad we went ahead and planted that garden and just said let's just live fully here and not always be waiting you know for that next thing around the corner so you know this has been really fun it's been restful because i've had to really create some margin to allow some of those new experiences into homeschool day and like this morning my husband is working from home and so he works out in the morning and sometimes the kids work out with him and that means school doesn't start at a certain time so I'm not in control of that and it's been really wonderful to let I'm just going okay this totally counts as school <laughs> you guys are working out with your dad how awesome is that and then they come in and you know rotate through the showers and then they get breakfast and it's we didn't start school till like 10 this morning and i'm usually like eight o'clock let's get on it but again just saying okay this is a lifestyle like if i can't allow life 
to happen in our homeschool, then really I'm just recreating school at home. And that is, and it has to be relational, right? Because education is a science of relations. It has to, we have to have those interrelational things. So, you know, I like to have the structure <laughs> to a little bit, just not go crazy. But then we've also been able to have that ebb and flow happen. So that has been a huge just mind shift for me. And we, you know, we got, we got our work done. So, you know, and here I'm getting to chat with you. I love that. I think that is so important, not just for people who maybe feel like they're in crisis mode or, you know, in some sort of particular challenge, but just, I think every family can relate to that where you kind of have that, it's tempting to say, well, when that child is potty trained or, well, we'll do that when all the children are in elementary school, or right. you're always waiting for that next thing when something right. will be easier in that next season. And the reality is, yes, that thing may be easier, but you'll just have a new set of challenges. And if you kind of put off all those most essential, important things, um, they're never going to happen. And that's part of the beauty of homeschooling is we're at home. You know, we're with our family. And I tell my kids, like at the end of the day, I want us to all love each other. That's really important to me that when they're grown, mm -hmm. that we still have a relationship and that they have a relationship with one another. And yes, you know, academics are important. That's, that's an, an important aspect of it, but it's not the only aspect of it. And to make sure that we really prioritize the people themselves and those relationships that are going to last, you know, when they get their high school diploma and they, they head off for their adult life, like the homeschooling part's going to be, you know, the schooling part's going to be over, but that family part, you know, Lord willing, by God's grace, is going to continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so, that's so important. Yeah. Well, are there any particular challenges that you've faced as a homeschool mom? I, you've mentioned a few of them, just sort of life circumstances definitely add challenges, but um, in the home education part and how have you overcome those? Yeah, I definitely have run into kind of the grumpy mom, um, taskmaster. Haven't we all? I don't like it when she shows up. She's a real mean teacher and a bad really mom. She's such a joy kill. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I know you had Misty Winkler on here and she had the organizer. She has the organizer attitude course within her membership site. And that has honestly, it's been life changing for me um, to, to just kind of reorient my heart toward the truth and what is good and true and beautiful about homemaking and you know just my kids just enjoying my kids but also having a good attitude about what god is calling me to and also getting organized about what the lord is calling me to because you know i'm so it's been fun over the last few years that the lord has opened up some creative outlets for me and you know i'm i have to organize those i have to have them in their right right place and not let the dog, the dog, the tail wag the dog, as they say. Right. So, um, I think being organized does help me with the taskmaster thing, but it's almost like you can fall off either side of the horse. <laughs> it's like, I can get organized and then I'm like, Oh, but, 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 
with the schedule. <laughs> and then I can get so um, militant that it's not fun. So, but then it's, I have to be able to flex like what I did this morning when, you know, everybody slept in because, you know, they were up later and, you know, then everything kind of gets moved later. And it's like just flexing with that instead of getting upset. Like, what does that fix anyway? No, I mean, it, well, it never actually <laughs> helps anything, you know, just moving, especially if the thing has already happened. I don't, you know, I don't know what I think I'm. I'm producing by getting frustrated. Like the thing is already broken or the thing is already late. Right. So let's, let's don't move forward. Spilt milk. <laughs> right. Basically. And so wanting to be able to move productively forward in that moment is, is so critical. And that, yeah. I know it's easier said than done. It must be. Oh, it is. It yeah. Said. Yeah. Well, the other thing is I have some dawdling folks around. <laughs> So trying to figure out how to deal with doddlers has been very interesting because there's not the same answer for each doddler. <laughs> so one of my kids, I found I actually just needed to give them more work to do. That worked. Okay, you have more work, then you'll be more productive. Okay, great. Um, and another kid, I just needed, we, we ended up changing his math curriculum. To something harder because he was just I was sitting there okay, we, have, we have math doodles all over our house okay I was sitting there and I was like do this problem like this one and he'd be like oh and he's literally just doodling on the side of the paper and that's where crocheting is helpful because you can be like you're, you're, you're driving me nuts but can you just do the thing now that we changed math curriculum, we're using Beast Academy online. He is begging me for more. Can I please do it? He's doing math doodles all over the house. He's writing, you know, times table charts. Like, mom, look at my times table chart. You know, I, I can, what's, what's, what's a million times a million? You know, all that. I'm just like, what is happening? Oh, it awakened wonder in him. Whereas the other one, was he was just floundering he was just like why should i even put my attention to this it was so i didn't realize it was so easy for him it was boring so that is a looking. fascinating perspective to bring to sometimes you know we think oh we're having trouble maybe this is too hard for them we should give them less work but actually you found the exact opposite to be the case again it'll depend child to it child it depends but, on the kid yeah, yeah really ask maybe they need more challenge my my 15 year old son actually this summer you know we had we love to take a summer break i know a lot of families enjoy homeschooling around the year and um, but we all have, it works well in our family to take a full summer break. And one of the reasons actually that's great is by the end of summer break, everyone's sort of like, I think my brain is kind of bored. Like I'm ready to work. And my 15 year old son is like, I'm, I'm kind of ready to have something that's like really challenging to me. Mm. And so then you come back in the new school year and you're like, right. this is hard, but I'm ready for it. So right. sometimes we're made to work and that includes right. our minds are made to work. It brings glory to God when our brains work and we have to right. solve problems. Yes. Well, and that's such an important perspective to bring into the homeschool because it kind of helps us, it's helped me at least shape the I put it as a priority. Um, like we really love keeping nature journals 
And some, you know, some of my kids will just pick them up randomly and just, I'm going to go draw that in my journal, you know, and others, it is more of a discipline to get them to do it. But the point is not, this is part of school. This is, this is life. This, this helps us connect more to the world around us. This, this assignment, whatever the assignment is, um, you know, we're obviously some of them are just, we're trying to build a skill and sometimes it is just mundane, but for the most part, you know, we want that to be beautiful, true, and good, you know, helping us kind of to pull out that wonder of the world that, God, that God's made. Well, let's talk a little bit about nature study. So let's just imagine there might be a, a grumpy nature study mom out there, not in, not in my house, but um, <laughs> let's, you know, she tries to draw and her sketches look worse than her five-year-olds and it can feel like nature study is one more thing for the homeschool schedule. You know, why is nature study worth doing? And then what does it actually look like in the reality maybe for a family that it doesn't come very naturally to them. Yeah. Well, nature study is really fun for, especially when you have little ones, you're like really excited to get started homeschooling and they're really too young to do any academic work because you, as the, mo as the mother, can get down on their level and be co-learners. Because for the most part in our culture, we don't really know the names of trees, plants, flora, fauna that are immediately around us. That's just like a common ignorance that we have. And so one of the things that I've loved is that it starts to teach us how to learn with our child and how to say things like, I don't know. <laughs> and also, let's, let's find that out. Let's, let's look it up. So now my kids are always like, take a picture of this so that we can find out what it is. And I use the iNaturalist app to find out things. There's also the Seek app that allows you to look up like creatures and that kind of thing. So we love that kind of thing. The other thing about nature study that I have just loved is take any topic, bugs, trees, flowers. You just cannot, you will not go to the end of that topic if you explored its depths through your whole life. I have just been so blown away by how many little rabbit trails <laughs> I can go off of. You know, I'm, I'm a very avid researcher, so that's kind of within my nature to continue looking into things and continue asking curiosity questions. But there's just so much to learn. So there's a story of Teddy Roosevelt when he's at the White House. He went outside every night out onto his balcony and he would look up at the stars. And one of the men in his cabinet was like, why do you come out here every night and look up at the stars? He's like, so that I can remember my place. He, here he is, the President of the United States. Like, we have to remember that we are small and that God is big. And we do that as we explore his creation. And that is one thing that I've loved. We start to see God's imagination. We start to see his, his creative order. And as, you know, 
was the person who first started categorizing uh, all the all the living things into their categories. Before that, it was more categorized by its medicinal uses, its use usefulness. But as you as they started to categorize, you start to see, oh, God has he makes some things very similar. And what was he doing when you know he made the slug, for instance, or you know, oh, that's so different from the cat. And so again, we just see how many facets the Lord has as we study um, his creation. I think that the study of science, um, more than any other subject, perhaps always just drives me to doxology. It's not necessarily always my favorite subject, but that is my favorite thing about it, I think, is that you cannot study, especially the, the natural world, um, without just being filled with wonder and awe and rejoicing. So, um, yeah, that's definitely something that is, is wonderful about nature. Well, and there's something, yes. Well, there's something too about studying nature and just getting outside that again, in our modern culture, we're very in like, there's lots of indoor people, um, who they don't know how refreshed being out in nature can afford. You know, maybe it's too hot. Maybe the early mornings would be helpful, or maybe it's too cold. <laughs> and maybe the afternoons where you can study, you know, the night sky, if it is too cold, you know, we can learn a lot about God's creation, even when we have these extreme temperatures going on. Um, but they do really, it just refreshes us and it gives us something else to think about, right? That's not ourselves. And also, the people that are all broken that we're studying through history or even our literature, right? It's, it's a reprieve from all of that. Well, when we're doing nature study, one of the things you've mentioned already that your family does is nature journaling. So maybe for someone who's new to that idea, can you kind of walk us through what that would look like depending on the various ages you might have in your homeschool? Sure. So in my home, I will usually print out I don't actually have it at hand, but um, one of my, each of my guides has a line drawing of, say if we're doing a cat, I have a line drawing of a cat, it's almost like a coloring page. So I'll print those off for everybody and I'll lay it on the table and then from the four-year-old up to the 10-year-old, they can either color it in, the younger one's going to color it in, the older one might use it as a model, and one of the ones in between might actually trace it or somebody else might cut it out and paste it into their book. So I'm allowing for, since I do have right now, like a, there's a two-year-old as well, but four to 10 years old. So I'm really trying to allow for as, as little friction as possible. And also I do nature journaling at our schoolroom table. I don't do it outside into the elements. Sometimes I'll send my kids out, you know, one-on-one -on -one to do it into our garden. But I've already decided what we're drawing, you know, what type of thing. The older, the older they get, the more input they get to have. But I found early on that if I don't say, hey, we're just going to study this today and we're going to draw, you know, you can draw either, you know, go pick your leaf, this leaf or that leaf, or you can draw the flower or you can draw the leaf, you know, but really trying to limit their options so that they're not just coloring a car. 
right. you know? Um, and then also really trying to work on keeping it the color that God made it. And I really limit it to like 10 or 15 minutes. My, my best trick is we will do a little reading ahead of time. We'll go outside, we'll grab our specimens or I'll print the, the thing off and I'll turn on some music. And then until the music is over and it's 10, five, five or 10 minutes, because that way it helps the person who's really trying to just rush through and get it done, take more time. And then it's also allowing the one who's really just wanting to go very elaborately and really work on it. It's like, okay, you'll need to finish that later. Um, so it does allow for both of those things. And again, lots of talking about keeping down friction points in the homeschool. <laughs> no, that just blows my mind because I think sometimes people, um, you know, the pictures you see on Instagram, right? It's like, here's our nature journal. And it looks like something I would see in a museum. And it, I think I, I can't draw or paint. And if I tried to replicate that leaf, I would, it would look nothing, it would look unrecognizable. Right. Um, but to just say, wait a minute, you don't have to have children who are budding Rembrandts, that it's right. okay to color out the line drawing or to trace, um, you know, that can take away some of that, I think, fear as if it's something too big or too hard for us. But it doesn't right. have to be super fancy to be a worthwhile endeavor. Well, and we learn through imitation. So as we have, tra my daughter traces and makes paper dolls. And so she'll come and show me like a picture she's drawn of somebody's face or an animal. And I'm like, whoa, that's really good. She's like, yeah, I've been tracing them. So I've learned how to make the line, make the shape, and then you start to make it your own. It's just like copy work. It's just like oral narrations, right? We're, we're receiving great, beautiful, good, true things, and then we're able then to create that as well. So it's cool. That is amazing. Well, before we close, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I have been asking all my guests this fall. So the first question I have for you is, what are you reading lately? Oh my goodness. So I did mention that we're getting bunnies. <laughs> so I've been reading so much about rabbit care and how, like rabbit habitats and how to make them happy and all that stuff. So that's not as interesting. And I've also been reading a ton of nature lore because we are working on our nature study podcast and that is going to include a lot of nature lore. So we've been I just love going down these deep rabbit holes about all the different lore that's out there. So I'm really excited to share that. But I have two books I really wanted to share. So this is Beauty in the Word. I'm sure you've either read this or heard of this I've one. I've heard of it a million times, yes, but yeah. I have not yet read it. Yeah. So this is really a great one. And I was actually just reading it before you and I were speaking. It was just it has a really, it does a really good job of talking about the connection between the unschooling ideas of John Holt, but then also the classical education ideas that Charlotte Mason um, brings us to light. And that, you know, we are both instructing our children or we're instructing as they're moving along, but then also we're taking in their individual capabilities and interests. So that's another thing that I really wasn't doing as much uh, maybe last year was, you know, I'd try to like pull in some books for the kids, but this year 
I really focused more on, okay, well, we're, we're going to buy all the AO books that you're going to use. But then I also bought, my daughter was really interested in Native American. Um, just any, she's like, I just want to learn about all of them. <laughs> so we got a stack, like giant stack, and she's read through them all. And she's just devouring. She's so interested in indigenous people. She just wants to learn. And then my son got really turned on by, we have this, live action or it's like a comic book style of the Iliad and he was like I just I want to learn more about spears and arrows and you know just the Troy and you know all, all of the that horse, all of that so I kind of did the same thing and he's just eating it up he um he got the our neighbor to make him a a bow and arrow and he said to our neighbor you're making all my dreams come true. <laughs> it's so sweet. So like, and then he goes out there and he'll just practice shooting that thing. Oh, it's, it's so fun again to awaken or just see them get excited about life. Right. I, I don't, I, I really don't care if you're reading about Robin Hood or Sparta. Like if you prefer Sparta, let's go. Great. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love seeing the individual mm -hmm. people that are growing up in my home and mm -hmm. the older they get, the more exciting it gets because the more themselves they become in the best, in the best way of that, you know, being sanctified, obviously to be in the likeness of Christ, but like the more just, you're not me and you're not your dad. You're just your own person. And I just, yeah. oh, such a fun, fun thing to get to see as a parent. Yeah. So this book is really fun for encouraging the balance between those two extremes of, you know, you can get too classical and really set on instruction and what we're pouring into our children. Or you could get on the other side and get too child-centric, which is very common in our culture, right? Um, so this is so sweet. And it's, he's written, he, I think he's Catholic and he has a really sweet perspective that brings the Holy Spirit and his power, you know, the the educating power of the Holy Spirit into our homeschools. And the other book I just am totally enjoying geeking out over. Have you heard of this? Okay, it's called The Columbian Orator, containing a variety of original and selected pieces together with rules calculated to improve youth and others in the ornamental and useful art of eloquence. It's such a long title, but it is um, the book. I don't know if you can even see this. It is obviously a, re a reprint. Yeah. Um, this is the book that Frederick Douglass recommends in his narrative life of Frederick Douglass, so his autobiography. He cites this book in his autobiography as the most shaping book for his ability to speak well. And so I've been reading it aloud to my husband at night. Uh, we'll just do one. And then I'll like read ahead because it's so cool. So it is speeches, poems, and dialogues. Just, and it was printed, I think it's like, it says the author was 17, or the compiler, the editor, 1757 to 1817 is when this was published. So it has a speech from the Roman Senate. It has, um, let's see, Judah's plea for Benjamin, a speech in Congress of 1789. And then it has a ton of 
speeches in Parliament during the time of the Stamp Act. It's got some really like sweet, oh, I, I was going to read you one of these just because it was so fun. Um, so what we're going to do with it this year is, I'm, just, I'm trying to just get my kids to pick one or two to try to memorize. So this is, so it's, they intentionally break it up into like, you'll have a really beautiful retelling of creation and then it'll be two ghosts dialoguing. There's a dialogue between the ghost of a Mohawk Indian and a man, a white man who was killed in a duel. And they're arguing the morality between the two. Well, you killed, you know, women and children is what the duelist says. And then the Mohawk is like, yeah, but you killed your friend who lent you money and you owed it to him. And so they're going back and forth about morality. And can you imagine, like, I, I, I can see, like, my son and maybe a friend, you know, learning that dialogue and those types of arguments, you know, just seeping into your heart and starting to work on you in a different way. So this is one of them is so clever. It's called Lines Spoken at a School Exhibition by a Little Boy, Seven Years Old. You'd scarce expect one of my age to speak in public on the stage, and if I chance to fall below Demosthenes or Cicero, don't view me with a critic's eye, but pass my imperfections by. Large streams from little fountains flow, tall oaks from little acorns grow, and though I now am small and young, of judgment weak and feeble tongue, yet all great learned men like me once learned to read their ABC. It goes on. But there's just some really beautiful language in there. And if you've read or heard anything about uh, Frederick Douglass, his he just had such a gift with words. So of course, people who are gifted with words, we, if we also want to be able to communicate well, you know, we want to read what they read and we want to emulate what they, you know, if, if we can yeah. <laughs> or if it's good. <laughs> so that's kind of where that came from. And I just am really enjoying it. You know, I talked to Dr. George Grant last season, and that was one of the things that sort of spurred him on in his adult lifelong learning was right. he was, you know, writing, he was like a political speech writer, and he was studying the founding fathers and the things that they had written. Mm. And he was like, wait, I don't want to just read what they wrote. I want to read the things that made them into the people who could write those things. Right. And um, yeah. That's so cool. I'm going to now have to go buy that book. Thanks. <laughs> well, it's free on the, the Gutenberg project. Gutenberg. Ah, yeah. lovely. Yeah, project, yeah, so you can just scroll through it. And Sounds fantastic. Yeah. Well, my final question for you is, if you were talking to a new homeschool parent, what would you say to them? Oh, I would say, you know, I really underestimated or maybe even dismissed my husband's role in our children's education. And, you know, I've mentioned, you know, the working out this morning and just creating margin to, to making sure that the kids get time with their dad. And then also, so this is, 
again, I'm going into these longer stories, but it helps kind of drive the point. So the last couple of years, we've been using Math Mammoth as our math curriculum. And my husband is just, he's a voracious researcher. He's always reading, like I said, about education and everything. And he brought up Beast Academy Online. And I was just really hesitant because what we had was really working. Like it was working for me. But as I mentioned earlier, I had said, you know, I had that one student who was really dawdling and just really underperforming. It just, he could do it easily. So at the, let's see, in May, my husband went ahead and just bought our three oldest kids um, Beast Academy online, which is the math curriculum accounts. So each one of them would have their own account. He was like, okay, let's just try this. And I was so reluctant to try it. We stopped all of the, our other homeschool stuff. And I did the, you know, Sarah McKenzie kind of talks about trying something for six weeks in her teaching from rest book. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, we're going to try this for six weeks. We're going to do chores and we're going to do Beast Academy. And that's all we're going to do. And I'm going to see what, you know, I'm going to give it a real effort because up till then I had kind of been letting it be a supplement. So I really was like, okay, I need to give this my full attention and stop being distracted and kind of figure this out because it's a different way to manage math than it was before. And as I've mentioned, now I've seen my kids just light up and it really went from my boys being okay you know like we need extra tutoring for math facts and we need you know we're kind of having to drill all the do all these drills and that's you know i'm i'm pulling against a barge that doesn't want to move <laughs> to now this curriculum the way they designed it you know it is an online program so it does have the stars and that kind of thing but puts it back on them um, intrinsically. But it's masterfully created in that it'll present a concept, so subtraction or multiplication. And then the next, it gives you a way to play with that concept so that you're getting a deeper understanding. So with multiplication, they, they learned some multiplication, they did the tables and all that. And then the next section is um, area. So then they're multiplying and they're having to figure out the area of things and they're, anyway, they're just really learning numeracy and my kids, like I said, they're like doodling math all the time and thinking about other problems in their heads and not, not all of them, just the, just the two boys. We're very like stereotypical my boys love math and my daughter loves literature. Like, that's fine. But, you know, I, I told my husband this morning, like, I'm so glad you pushed for that. And I'm actually sorry I didn't listen earlier because I was seeing it as an inconvenience that he was putting on me instead of seeing you know, we're in this together and he has an interest in them. And also, you know, our husbands can have such a unique perspective on our home and on, you know, they can draw things out of my kids that I don't, I don't see that side of them. 
And that's been really cool to see like, they'll like go downstairs while he's working be like, dad, do you know what I did? I, you know, I did this problem and it was awesome. And he's like, they'll just pop in and just, they want to share it with me. So, um, you know, I know each marriage is different and each dad has his own, you know, way to be involved or not involved or whatever. But I just really thought, found that, you know, allowing for that margin for dad, you know, has really enriched us. And I, I wish I would have listened a little, little earlier. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. I have a friend whose husband wants to look at every single piece of curriculum before they settle on it, like page by page. And she had shared with me before that, you know, at first she was like, this is annoying, but now she really <laughs> appreciates it because she knows that's how he's showing he cares. My right. husband, on the other hand, has said, no, I really, I trust you. That's I want you to pick out whatever is fine, but he shows his love and care for our family by consistently leading in family worship every day. And so right. every family is going to figure yeah. out the way that's best, you know, going to, to right. support each other, but it's yeah. really important for us to really listen and have the humility and eyes to mm -hmm. see what our husband And to does. count it. I think a lot of times as homeschooling moms, we feel that superwoman need to just do all of it. and you know, when dad reads aloud at night, that's going to be part of the curriculum for the day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to count that. <laughs> right. And I, I'm not, I don't have to duplicate that. Then that's something else I don't have to think about, you know? Yeah. Um, and so frequently I, I think I was feeling the taking on more burden, really, right? The, his yoke is, the Lord's yoke is easy and his burden is light. Like I was taking on more than what he had given me. He's like, no, I've, I've actually given you a lot of other tools. Oh. You don't have to make it harder for yourself. No. It's so funny we do that. Joy, thank you so much again for coming and chatting with us today. And where can people find you all around the internet? Oh, sure. I am at naturestudyhacking.com, which is where folks can grab a free download. I've got butterflies and I've also have some um, flower nature study lessons that they can download. And then I'm also on YouTube just at Joy Cherick and Instagram at Joy Cherick. And oh, and then our podcast, Naturalist Kids Podcast, Apple and all the other places podcasts will be found. Okay, great. And I will have all those things linked up in the show notes for this episode at humilityandoxology.com. All right. I will talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for listening in on this week's Homeschool Conversation. For show notes and links to all the resources we discussed, head to humilityanddoxology.com slash homeschool-conversations. And if these episodes are an encouragement to you, would you take a moment to leave a rating and review and to share with your friends? I am so thankful that you are here on this adventure with me. Let's repent of our constant striving, relish the joy of learning, and rest in the work of Christ on our behalf. Stand fast, my friends.